thanks folks for joining us for another episode of the rec poker podcast and if you don't know what rec poker is we're just a group of fun loving recreational players it doesn't mean we're not serious poker players it just means that uh, we do other things in our life for work and this is what we do for fun we love poker we love learning together we love talking about it and we love uh, sharing our love of poker with others on this podcast every week so a few things i want to just mention right off the bat I want to thank a couple premium members who have stepped up recently and taken the plunge. Um, Stephen White, who I know I've seen in a few of the strategy conversations so far. Stephen, I know you're having trouble finding time to get that study in, but thanks for uh, doing it with us, and I hope we can help and reach out anytime. And Kathleen Karen, um, who I haven't gotten a chance to get to, to know very well, but Kathleen, for thanks for giving us a try. And uh, anytime you want to chat about poker, you can email me, jim at rec.poker, and we'll talk poker. The other thing I want to mention is uh, Gareth James is coming aboard. We're going to be doing a monthly study group with Gareth James. The next one comes out. The next one's available for you to join this Saturday, December 18th. So if you're around on Saturday afternoon, check out the rec.poker events page, and you can come hang out with Gareth James and talk poker strategy. But uh, he is just one of the many folks that we work with here at Rec Poker. I should tell you, my name's Jim Reed. You can find out about me and all the other members of the Wrecking Crew by going to rec.poker slash crew, or you can find out about John Somsky right here because he's about to introduce himself. My name is John Somsky, and I'm known as Poker Geek MN Everywhere, and you can find me at the home games. <laughs> it's true. Uh, John runs our, home, our online home game uh, program, and uh, we keep him pretty busy with that one because we do about 40 of those a month, which is a lot of fun. Um, but again... We're talking to people we love in the poker world. One of them is the one and only Chase Bianchi, and uh, he's calling in from a little north of uh, Boston right now. Uh, Chase, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me, fellas. Well, you've had a colorful uh, story in poker. Your poker story is fun. Um, you seem to play in a lot of different tours and events. You get around, um, and you seem to really enjoy the game. Uh, can you talk a little bit, just to introduce yourself, before we get into kind of like what's been going on recently, um, can you talk a little bit about sort of what got you involved in poker and what keeps bringing you back? Sure. I, I'm definitely the poster boy of the Moneymaker Boom. Watched it on TV and was hooked. And actually started playing with my high school junior varsity baseball team. And we had like, we'd play like once or twice a week over the summer. And they joke that I have a, all the moms would joke that I have a summer job because I'd beat everyone out of our five or $10 buy-in game. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of just took it a little more seriously than everyone else mm -hmm. and uh, have really loved the game. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another and, and here I am. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, everyone, um, it's funny, we talked, most of our listeners are uh, recreational poker players. And so they kind of know some of the big names, but they may not know all the details into how that story came across. Um, you know, you've been sort of consistently cashing in events for years here between uh, the PCA, the WSOP, the EPT, um, and all over the place like that. Um, what do you think, like, how, how did you get from playing in those baseball games to taking it more seriously and taking the next uh, the next step like that, I think online poker was a big part of it. Um, back back way back then, you know, you could play anywhere. I borrowed my dad's credit card. I said, "Hey, dad, here's fifty bucks. I'm going to play some online poker." And uh, that's a really big stepping stool, I think, to poker in general. Getting your reps in online, you can play a one dollar buy in. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to play. When you go to a casino, you can't play anything for less than a hundred bucks. Right. 
Um, so yeah, online poker was a big uh, stepping stone. And uh, I also worked in the industry. I dealt poker for a number of years. So I was kind of around poker a lot of my young adult life. And uh, eventually it stuck and I stopped going broke. <laughs> uh, talk to us a little bit about um, playing in the game and how that affected your your playing abilities as well. Like, wor- sorry, working as a dealer and that kind of thing, I mean, because people talk about that all the time and how you're there putting in hours, seeing people's faces respond to the action and um, seeing different bet sizes and that kind of stuff. How, how helpful was that? So I would say that I didn't gain a lot of like strategy from being a dealer, but one thing it did is it just keeps your mind kind of occupied about poker. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, especially if you're a lot of dealing jobs, you're dealing small limit games and kind of just like watching people throw money around. <laughs> There's not a lot to be gained from it, but it kind of keeps your mind spinning on poker. So it kept me interested. It kept me thinking about poker. I think is a big thing. I think that's a great point. And I think it's especially for recreational players like us, we do kind of tend to dip in and out of poker because we have real jobs. We have all these other things going on. And so it's like uh, like a golfer living up north. You got to shake that rust off every spring and it's hard to kind of keep developing all the way all the way along. John, did you have uh, something you wanted to add there? Well, I was just wondering um, what has, so you've been playing for quite a while. At what point in time did it become your main way of making money? Mm-hmm. So uh, when I was like 18, I moved to Washington, the state of Washington. The gambling age was 18 there. So I could work at the casinos, play at them. But I really wanted to play full time and I would kind of go back and forth. I'd, I'd like tell my boss, hey, take me off schedule for this week. I, I got a bankroll. Uh, but it wasn't until I really uh, kind of matured a little bit, managed my money a little better and was in my like early 20s that I actually really played full time, not just like playing for a couple months, going broke, getting getting some shifts back at work. Um, so I, I had to mature in the way I handled my money as much as I had to mature in the way I played poker. That, and I think that's something that is one of those non-sexy truths about poker that is just very, very important to bankroll management and game selection. Um, you know, that's as much of a key to being a winning player as, as you know, grinding the solvers. Um, can you give us a couple of like specific examples of like what it looks like to be more careful with your money or to be more thoughtful with your bankroll? Sure. I get this question from non-professionals or like aspiring professionals a lot of like, how do I build a bankroll? Mm. And one important thing when you're trying to build a bankroll is it, I think you, most people should keep a job, you know, like work your full-time <laughs> job. But even if you don't want to go pro, if you want to just build your bankroll and say like you play one, two, and it's like, I want to play a two, five someday. That's great. And one thing that I think a lot of players do wrong is they'll treat their bankroll like their fun money. And if you want to build your bankroll, you kind of have to let it sit there and be your bankroll and not dip into it for other stuff. And like, ah, I want to go out I'm going to take some money on my bankroll. You know, as a professional, your bankroll is your life role. Um, so it's hard to separate them. But if you really want to grow that, you kind of got to leave it aside and treat it as its own thing. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, it's the tools of your trade, right? Um, so you got to have those tools available when you go to work. 
when it comes to the other side of things, like the strategy side or like the skill as a player, how do you, or in your case, how did you kind of decide that you had become good enough? Was it results-based? Was it like your comfort making decisions? Uh, what, what made you feel like it was time to step up? So I think it was a combination of the two. Um, you know, you have to post some results and have some winning track record. You can't just study theory all day and be and decide that you're good enough. You have to <laughs> you have to have some like empirical evidence of, oh, I'm winning at this rate over these hundreds of hours. And uh, and the other half, yeah, is studying. And you got to put in some work to get better. You know, experience is experience is good, but it's only going to take you so far. Hmm. And what kind of, what kind of studying did you do to get better? Like, I know it, it wasn't that long ago, but it was kind of like, you know, the, the technology keeps improving at the time that you were uh, making this, making the plunge. How, how did you study? How did you get better? What did you do to improve? Yeah. So we were in the early days back then. Um, I remember I had pencil and paper Yes. and I would write out the size of the pot and I would do like arithmetic. I would do like calculate, okay, how often does this bet have to work? And we do some long division. Yeah, same, yeah. same way, man. I yeah, love that. by hand, man. We yeah. did it by hand. Yeah. Counting combinations. Oh my gosh, that was so hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, nowadays you have tools to do that. So you can be so efficient with your study these days. Mm. Yeah, and the efficiency of the study, that's really important, right? Because whether you're a pro or a recreational player like us, um, time is not infinite. And you have, you know, you only have so much time you can put into it. So using it effectively becomes uh, really important. Um, did you have other people that you studied with or did you just sort of like study in a silo and um, tell us about that a little? So I would say I went more of the lone wolf path. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing I'll say is that I used a lot of like training videos, mm -hmm. stuff that is more bite-sized and condensed when we're talking about making something accessible while having someone explain it to me in an instructional way pretty helpful when especially when you're starting out and then once you get more advanced you can kind of dig into what these guys are doing to explain it to you yeah kind of on that same note about the efficiency of your time you know if uh, if you can get if you can get someone to kind of guide you through some of the more complicated things or even just kind of show you what to focus on or some pitfalls to avoid um, even if it's like paying for a coach or working with friends who are also interested in poker or joining a poker learning community like ours or many other excellent ones out there, you really, it just accelerates your, your progression and it sort of just brings you along faster. And, uh, you know, we're not all going to be here forever. So, uh, you got, you're only going to be getting better for as long as you have. So I think that's, I think that's really cool. I was a lurker too, lots of podcasts and videos and pen and paper stuff. And it's, it's you know, I'm sure you'll agree. It's nice to kind of have built that foundation yourself and you can take a lot of confidence in that, but it definitely took me a lot longer than uh, if I had just gotten some help along the way. Mm -hmm. As I've gotten older, I've kind of found a few small like chat groups or something of local guys that I've become friends with. Mm -hmm. Those are helpful. Those are helpful for sure. But I, I do think I gained the most by my independent study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess everything's all about a mix, right? You want to be able to go deep and focus on stuff yourself, but then sometimes it's just good to get a second set of eyes and maybe a different perspective. Totally. Um, and so what do you do now when you're studying um, these days? Are you using solvers? Are you still doing a lot of pen and paperwork? Uh, uh, what do you like come out of a tournament series and think, okay, here's a couple spots I want to look at, or how do you even structure your own study? So 
you guys might not know, but I recently joined the Rec Poker's Club because I don't. I I stopped playing poker for a living uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago. I was going to talk about that too. Yeah. 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 So like, I don't study. <laughs> you know, I've kind of like I'm floating on all the study I did 15 years ago. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, but before, uh, getting out of poker full time, yeah, I did a lot of solver work. Um, that's, that was my, my big push in the last four or five years of playing for a living, Mm. a lot of work on the solvers and it paid big time. Yeah. Being ahead of the curve in poker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. Cause ultimately what you want to be doing is just, uh, exploiting the mistakes that everyone else was making. And if, Mm -hmm. if, if, if. If you don't, you know, only so many people are going to be that far ahead of the of the curve. And solvers really were um, that next generation of of training tools. John, yeah, I was going to ask, what do you typically play? Do you did you play cash games or mostly tournaments, live online? Yeah, I've mostly played cash games throughout my career playing poker. I do enjoy tournaments. Back when I played online, I would usually play all tournaments online kind of just fire um and then when i'm playing i'll play like my local games and cash games and then i'll take some trips every once in a while to play tournaments like down to uh atlantic city or vegas or la um those those are fun and you know of course in at the world series every year it's fun to fire tournaments i always say like gonna grind the cash games this year they're so good then i get there and i'm like but i want to win a tournament every year (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's the that's part of the glory right is uh and and you know apparently the key is just to give up to retire from poker and stop studying for a while because you you went down there and uh final table the main thing um what talk us through that experience i think it's the only it's the only tournament you played in the whole series right you went down circled this one and said i'm gonna make it happen and then you did the main event of you know you can't miss it it's the main event so it's best tournament of the year so i really try to make it but uh, life is a lot different than it was when I was just playing full time. Um, we got two kids now, wow, uh, two kids under two. Yeah, yeah. We do foster care currently. We have two. Our oldest, we're in the process of adopting. Hmm. Uh, the five month old, our five month old boy, uh, likely to go home soon. So that'll be hard. Yeah. Um, and then, but it's hard to get away. You know, getting away for to play a tournament, especially a long one. You know, right. I went out there, took a four day trip, and. Turns out I'm there for two weeks, which is a good thing. But good thing. Yeah. Tough on the life. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, let me ask about that a little bit. How did you get into uh, the fostering program and what made you decide to, to take that on? I, it's, it's such a rewarding thing to be doing and you're really doing great work with it. Uh, not, I don't know you well enough to say if you're doing good work with it, but sure. I really, it's such a great program. Talk about that a little. Yeah, we, uh, we really didn't plan on getting into foster care. We'd looked at adoption. Mm-hmm. We really wanted to do adoption. Um, we just felt the Lord leading us in that like adoption and foster care is such a clear parallel to the gospel that we are adopted as God's sons mm. by his grace that he brings us into the family. And uh, adoption has always seemed like something that we should do. And then we moved to the Boston area and a lot of our friends from church we're in the foster care, uh, you know, either foster homes or supporting them. And once we saw it up close, we just felt like, wow, we have to do this. So we just kept stepping through doors and pretty soon we were fostering and it's been very hard and very rewarding. 
and you know all the feelings in there um, <laughs> but it wouldn't change it for the world yeah i'm sure um well i know you your faith is important to you and it's part of your community um how do you ever feel any kind of conflict or tension with the gambling aspect of life or even just the the people in it i know for people outside of poker there's maybe not you know maybe a grimier view of what actually happens in the poker world than than is actually there occasionally i'll get an off comment usually it's ignorance more than anything else or you know sometimes someone has a family member that gambling can harm people mm-hmm. and that have their family's been affected by it and they just have a bad taste in their mouth and i totally get that um but a lot of it is just ignorance some of it i mean i've got friends from church that are that are like, man, why didn't I buy a piece of your main event? Win? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, a lot of support too, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. It's just uh, something that is not seen a lot in the church, so it's mostly just talking to people. That's and, a good point. Yeah, yeah getting it out there, getting yeah. getting in front of people, right? Sure. Yeah. And so, um, when it comes to like selling action for the main event or something like that, so what what was that experience like this time? Kind of coming back. Uh, being away from poker a little bit, um, but also, you know, having your sights set on this, what take me through how you kind of prepared for it and, and, and how, how, how it felt going through the the stages. Yeah. I wish I could say I prepared much for it, but I don't play poker for a living anymore. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't going to study a lot for it. Um, so I, I did sell action. I sold, I think I planned on selling 40% and then I oversold because my buddy won, you know, that sort of yeah, thing. Oh, yeah. Wants a piece. Yep. But it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got to stick to those deadlines when you right. tell you, you got to be serious about this stuff. So that's yeah. funny. Man. So I ended up selling and between sales and swaps, like 49%. Yeah. Um, and what was the end of this question? Oh, just, just, you know, what was it like being, um, being kind of outside of it, but, but still progressing to the final table. And it must've felt in a way, very familiar, obviously, even though it was, uh, even though you'd been away for a while. Yeah, oddly, I didn't feel much pressure throughout. I was uh, my prayer throughout the main event was just to be content with every outcome. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been in big tournament spots before, and I found that I just need to have open hands about this. I can't control outcomes, mm-hmm. and just try to be present and playing my best. And that's it. I mean, not not so different from a non-religious person who is trying to just play their best and let the results happen. Um, but I'm praying for me, I'm praying, I'm saying, God, you control the cards, you know, like there's nothing you've created this world. These are, these cards aren't special and out of your control. So offering that to him and just saying, you know, I'm content. I want to be content with every, every turn in the card. So that helped me a lot. It helped me stay calm, helped me stay present. And, uh, somehow I made the final table. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I think that is a lesson that, um, you know, religious or non-religious people can take. This is really an approach to mental game, ultimately. Um, sure. Where, Prayer is you huge know, for mental game. Oh, yeah, I bet. I bet. And, and you know, we kind of do have to s- surrender to the odds, to the variance, to the outs. You know, we don't get to control that kind of stuff. Um, do you find that it, there's a tension between kind of being okay with every outcome but also like wanting to win. <laughs> um, so how do you, in the moment, do you find that when you're thinking about that kind of stuff, like 
is that almost like an ICM related factor where you're like, well, I'm not going to play scared here because I just, I'm going to be okay with whatever happens. And does it give you confidence to like take shots where you know you're supposed to, uh, you know what I mean? Like, does it, does it affect your strategy or is it, is it more just sort of like bringing a, a calmness to you? I would say it's, it's more mental game. You know, of course, big spots are going to affect your strategy because, you know, you're nervous or you're looking at a pay jump and you're maybe overvaluing it or under you really want to win. You're undervaluing a pay jump, so, mm-hmm. stuff like that. But mostly, uh, yeah, mostly just mental game. I would say the the way that I would put it is I want to execute well and then leave the like studying and worrying about how I did for later. Mm-hmm. When you're in a tournament, when you're playing, you just execute to the best of your ability and leave the worrying about it for study time later. Yeah, well, we're, we're both golfers. So my dad always told me that you practice on the range and you perform on the field, on the course. And so the course oh, yeah. isn't where you go and try and experiment and work out things and plan. You know, you just do what you're doing best, go out there and perform on the course and then go tinker around on the range and the practice uh, green and that kind of stuff, because that's where you get to experiment and get better. I like that. Um, you were saying uh, before we got started, you were saying you haven't had a chance to be golfing much this year. Um, but that you're an avid uh, disc golfer. That's amazing. Steve Fredland, who uh, normally hosts this uh, edition of the podcast, uh, also has another podcast about disc golfing. It's called Northern Chains. And uh, your uh, Chase, if you want to be on there, I'm sure Steve would love that. Everyone else can just Google Northern Chains and maybe give that a listen to. Steve's got a wonderful, uh, a passion for many things. And uh, it's great to hear him talking about that with uh, some of the great disc golfers out there. Um, do you have a group that you play with uh, near near uh, Boston, or is it uh, is like a family thing, or who, who do you disc golf with, and how often do you get a chance to get out? I try to go once a week. It's a little cold out now. I, I haven't been in a couple of weeks, but I try to go once a week when it's warm out. And it is one of the activities, especially now that we have kids, that is like my, for the most part, my solo time to be alone and the place I go is kind of out in the woods and I'll put on like some music and just chill and, and play. Uh, occasionally I'll invite, invite some friends and we'll have like a guy's outing, uh, you know, a little foursome and we'll go play. But my weekly uh, disc golf games are time to get away and disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Just like real golf. Um, it is a great way to just spend some time out in nature and uh, you can get, do some, do some good thinking out there. <laughs> um. So the last question, I know I want to honor you the time that you gave us to this uh, this week. Um, you've played in a lot of different tours. Uh, you've played in a lot of different casinos. You've had success kind of all over the world. Um, what are a few of your favorite stops or your favorite events uh, or poker rooms or places that you think uh, recreational players might enjoy if they get a chance to visit? You know, my local room at Encore in Boston was one of the most beautiful awesome rooms in the country and then it shut down in COVID and they haven't reopened. So yeah. That's a shame Yeah, that, that I would have said was a great room, but we'll see. I think they're going to reopen soon, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What? A, I mean, Borgata is always great, especially for tournament series. Borgata runs a good tournament. Um, they got that big convention space. They're always a lot of fun. Um, I like the, I like the small little card rooms too. Like, uh, lately, I've been going up to New Hampshire, like 40-minute drive, playing in some little card rooms up there, Boston Billiards Club. Like your local card rooms, especially if you just play for fun, usually those are the places to be. 
Yeah. Everyone's just having a good time, you know, yep. and getting some getting some food, you know, if you're getting a drink or something. And uh splash some chips around. Yeah. Nice. Well, uh last thing before we go, um, I know it's been a while since you were playing with a lot of recreational players, but is there one sort of strategy mistake that that recreational players make overplaying something or being too wide? Or is there one sort of like general note that you'd say? Hey, recreational players, if you're trying to take this next step, here's something to be start doing or stop doing. So I would say recreational players tend to be afraid to like look dumb or do something dumb. Mm. And I can't tell you how many times I would do something dumb or try something and knowing that it's going to fail a lot and I'm going to look stupid when I turn (laughs) this hand over. But if you, here's, here's where it comes to executing too. If you're like, I studied this spot. I know this spot and I'm going to go try to execute it. And I might look dumb because I might misapply it for a while. I might not choose the best hand, but then you go and you study it again and you get better at it. Um, But a lot of times you have to like get in there and get uncomfortable when you're playing because you're trying something new and you're going to look dumb. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I think, you know, some people do, especially let's be honest, you know, the poker world has people in it that are kind of, you know, they'll, they'll berate players or they'll say rude or nasty things to people. And if they, you know, make them feel stupid and stuff like that. And that is a reality of, you know, some, some, some people in the poker world, not the majority, but some of them. So, you know, that's why we try and really maintain a positive and encouraging uh, learning community here at rec.poker. And we don't uh, make fun of people and we don't put people down and we just ask questions and we're not afraid to look stupid and to be wrong. Cause how do you ever get better? If you only talk about things you already know, right? I mean, how do you ever improve? You can't. Yeah. You know what? The players that you see never improve are the ones that won't admit when they're wrong too. Mm. And that's a big thing. Yep. You said it, man. Well, we're not going to get any closer to Zen than that. So um, Chase work. Uh, if people want to reach out to you, I know you've got uh, you're on Twitter. Um, are there other places that, uh, that folks can connect? Twitter and Instagram are usually my go-tos. My Twitter is Chase underscore Bianchi. Instagram is just Chase Bianchi, one word. Uh, Feel free to hit me up. Love it when people message me. I try to get back to everyone. So, yeah. Nice. Well, hopefully you'll get a few more follows uh, from the Rec Poker crowd. And um, this episode is going to come out uh, next Tuesday. So it'll be, uh, actually, let me just pull the calendar up. I should have had this up before on the 14th. And um, so hopefully we'll pick up, uh, get a little uptick on some Twitter action then. And uh, yeah, uh, Chase, thank you so much for coming and sharing this time with us and sharing your story um, and some tips and some uh, some fun bits out of there. I think hopefully you'll be hearing from us again. We can get a chance to connect maybe with one of doing a road trip down to the Boston area or something like that. I'd love that. Yeah, I'd love to come on again. I enjoyed it, guys. Have a good night. Nice. All right. Thanks, Chase. We'll see what our friend Jonathan Little has to say, and then we'll move on to the next part of the show. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now.
There you go, folks. You heard it from the man himself. Head over to pokercoaching.com slash rec poker and take advantage of a little discount deal we've put together. And also, of course, the money back guarantee that John Little puts out on all his amazing stuff. So, John, that was a fun one. I I'd sort of seen Chase in in the poker world, followed him on Twitter. He's he's a, a fun character. I hadn't actually spoken to him before, but uh, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so did I. I think, you know, I it has proven to me that I've got a couple of, of good things mastered. I uh, am very good at looking stupid. <laughs> and, you know, I am very good at thinking I did something wrong. So... You know, I figure I I didn't hear much else to be convinced. I think I should almost be there now. I think so. I think they refer to that as the learner's mindset. There you go. John. Yeah. I think that's half, half the stuff, half the job right there. <laughs> there you go. Well, I do hope some people go out and follow uh, Chase uh, underscore Beyond Key at, on Twitter and uh, send them some love and tell them thanks for uh, sharing some time with us here at Rec Poker Nation. Um, we do have a couple other things to get up to. I, I mentioned at the top of the show, Gareth James from the MTT Poker Academy. is going to be getting more involved here with uh, rec, our Rec Poker Premium membership. So uh, early in the month, every month, we're going to be dropping a feature length training video from Gareth and the MTT Poker Academy. Uh, and then on the third Saturday of the month, we'll be getting together for a study group where uh, Gareth and I will kind of just take some questions, mostly Gareth. I'm just going to be there to record the session and let people in from the lobby. Uh, but if you have questions for uh, Gareth James, I'd encourage you to come post uh, post in the forum and uh, watch the video and come in, come and join the, uh, join the session. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I should tell everyone, I, I say this every once in a while, we've added some new groups at Rec Poker. So if you go to rec.poker, it's free. Uh, just sign up with an email address and a smile. We're trying to use the groups more to share our different areas of interest, things we're trying to study, the things we like about poker. So you can join a group of other like-minded people and just focus on that aspect of it. Um, So we've got a lot of groups here. I see, uh, speaking of which, I'm going to promote Tim Fritz if he wants to join the panel here as we close things out for the night. Tim's a member of our Wrecking Crew Um, and he's, we've got a group uh, that Tim's DTO Sunday morning warm-up uh, session is all about so we'll talk to him about that in a second um, but yeah please do check that out get more involved and uh if you have any questions just you know post in the forum and uh, or you can always email me jim at rec.poker and let me know what's up uh john why don't you take us through the home games and then we'll talk to tim on the other side of that sounds good so first and foremost Fergie 56, Kim Kilroy, won her very first No Limit Hold'em Championship Series of the year. Oh, that's the Wednesday night. That's the, uh, okay, way to go, Kim. Yep, so that will, of course, get her into the Tournament of Champions, Mm -hmm. which I believe is going to be playing the day after this podcast drops. You're right. It'll be Wednesday, December 15th, and anyone who won a No Limit Hold'em Championship event will be there. And then we add players to get up to 18 players based upon the player of the year points race. So uh, I've announced everyone who's there. If you're there, go ahead and sign up. If you don't sign up early, then there's a chance that we will go on to alternates. Mm. So make sure you get there and reserve your spot. Mm -hmm. Of course, you'll only have one day by the time you listen to this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. 
Then in our daily series, Torinar, Joshua Campbell, won his first nightly victory. Ah, welcome, Joshua. He's a, a new premium member, so congratulations. And that's just that's some of that uh, that premium member run good. Way to go, Josh. Excellent. Seven high eleven, John Crow yeah, right on. got his first victory of the year. Keck Geek, Mark Kiki, that's Keck Geek Sr., got his uh-huh. sixth nightly victory for the year. No slip. And then Steve Trapp, Steve Tucker, went back-to-back to, back to oh get his second and third nightly victory of the year. Wow. And that's on, was that on, uh, like, the Thursday and the Friday or something like that? That was on Friday and Saturday. Wow. Way to go, Steve. Back-to-back. So back. Technically, there were a couple of tournaments in between because we have four <laughs> tournaments on Saturday. But right. <laughs> that's still back-to-back for the nightly series. Nice. Or the nightly games and the daily series. Yeah, way to go. For the uh, mixed practice event, we had uh, Keto Man... 335, Kian Tavakoli got his third daily mixed victory for the year. Nicely done, Kian. And then international events, Ch- uh, McVean, Chad McVean got his yes. second. Yes. And Razi Q, Raz Corto got her second. All right. Congrats, Raz. And then on to the LPP Sunday event on December 5th. Bruce K. 54. Bruce got his first LPP Sunday event. So contact Jim at rec.poker and you can get your free month to learn pro poker. You're going to love it, Bruce. And don't forget on December 18th is the final heads up event of the year to award the final seat for Marek Madness. That's right. That's a great point. So, John, so this is going to come out on Tuesday, the 14th. That night. Uh, there's Kim Kilroy's poker empowerment uh, chat session at 7:30 Eastern. Then, like every Tuesday night, there's the online play and hang. On Wednesday, there's the book study and the championship home game. On Thursday, uh, there's Taylor's Twitch uh, Thursdays. There's Eric Jin's Peel event, uh, the play, explain, and learn. On Friday, we're going to drop another episode of the forums edition, and then on Saturday. Holy cow, we're drop, We're releasing a Learning with Partners video. There's a 8 a.m. Central Time International Series. At noon Central, we'll be having our study group with Gareth James. At 1 Central, there will be the Heads Up series that you just described. At 2 Central, the second international game. And then at 9 p.m., the Mixed Practice game alongside the nightly No Limit Hold'em game. Then on Sunday morning, it's uh, Tim Fritz's DTO Sunday warm-up. So, holy cow, we got a lot going on this week. And let me tell you, folks, it's like this every freaking week. All of those events happen every week over here at Rec Poker. So, uh, Tim, since you're coming uh, coming in after the interview, you missed a chance to chat with Chase. But uh, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you've been doing on Sunday mornings. I've, had, I've been able to join a couple of those sessions, and they are fantastic. Yeah, so uh, can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so we just basically we do DTO. Um, DTO, they have a post flop training tool. They also offer cash games and um, a pre flop trainer, but we focus around post flop um, tournament, just MTT. Uh, it's really great. I mean, there's so many spots you can go through, and um, like the subscription tier that I have they run all the solves for us and everything, but we get to play through the hands and then 
you know, like, oh, you know, we might run into somewhere like, well, why are they doing that? And then, you know, you can break it down. You can click on it after you get your score at the end. Like, okay, they bet big here this time. Okay, let's click on that. Okay, they're betting big here with all these different combos. But it kind of lets you know, like, okay, these are what the bluff should be. These are what the value hands are. When they bet big, you can click on your screen and be like, okay, this is what I should call with. This is the bottom of my range, the top of my range. And it's just seeing those percentages Mm. has helped me myself just so much. And I use the tool before I play every time. Like if I play on Wednesdays or Sundays or whatever, I always use the tool. And so it's just kind of my own way of giving back to the group in a sense, like, Hey, you know, I do this anyway, come join me and warm up for your Sunday session. That's awesome, man. And I think, you know, especially when, you know, recreational players like us, we don't play every day. We were talking about this with Chase, actually. You can kind of get rusty, even just taking a few days off, or just not thinking about poker that often. And I find, you know, if I'm only playing once a week or something like that, when I load up on Sunday mornings, I am absolutely donking a tournament or two, just spewing off making stupid, undisciplined decisions uh, because I'm not like practiced and prepped and in the right mindset. And I'd much rather be gaining that, you know, refreshing myself through a study group than through donking off an $11 tournament or something stupid like that. Right, right. So like, since you mentioned that, like, even when I go play live, like whether, you know, I'm waiting in line or okay, I've registered, but the event doesn't start for half an hour or so. Like I'll run through some hands because like you said, like, you know, if you haven't played for a little bit, by the time you get up there, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you get hit with a decision and you're like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know what I call? And then you're like, oh, well, wait, (laughs) think about that. Like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) yeah, that's such a bad feeling, isn't it, Tim? It's it's much better to donk off on an app that tells you like, (laughs) hey, buddy, like that was wrong than than trying to this $500 tournament. And you're like. I guess bullet number two, here I come. (laughs) You said it. You said it, man. That's awesome. Well, uh, it's just one of the great things we do here every week at Rec Poker. And, you know, Tim said it here. It's just we like doing things that we would do already ourselves to make us better at poker. We just like sharing that with the group. So, uh, you know, this is just another way to come along and get engaged and see what works for other people. Maybe it'll work for you. You never know. Right. Um, all right. Well, any other uh, thoughts to lend to our podcast listeners? We're coming up on about 45 minutes, so we want to free them up to their other podcasts and their families and loved ones, whatever else they're getting up to today. Um, I, I just have something real quick. I heard you mention uh, the Gareth James thing coming up. Yes. Um, and you're a Gareth James fan too. Student of uh, Gareth there. Yeah. Um, I, I would encourage everybody to check out whatever he's offering i don't know the exact details but definitely check it out that that single person has changed my game for the better wow nice um, just 100 percent. like i give him all the praise <laughs> in the world <laughs> well he's a great coach and he, he really thinks about poker well and he, and he he knows how to teach too he knows how to bring yes. people along and coach and that's that's a different skill than playing poker well not everybody has it Right, right, exactly. Yeah, he's very friendly. Will answer any questions. Will not be like, oh, that's you know, for lack of a better term, that's a dumb question. Like he will. Right. He understands that everybody's at a different level of their game and will answer it to the best of his ability, which is miles beyond where I'm at. You know, and just any any question, I would say, just ask him away, and he will answer. 
Nice. Well, one of those groups that we're talking about uh, joining over at Rec Poker is the MTT Poker Academy study group. So I'd encourage everyone to go join that and uh, start posting questions and answers. And we'll get to know Gareth a lot better over the next few months. We'll be seeing him in these monthly study groups. So I'm excited for that. People should go check it out. But I guess there's another group over there as well, Tim, the Dreamers group that we could talk about a little bit here too, because you're, you, yeah. you like to stream. Yep. Taylor does. We've got a, a monkey system and Gibber. We got a few folks here that like to uh, stream their play and there's discussions and stuff like that. So um, what's going to be going on with that? How are we going to use that? Yeah. So that's going to be awesome. Like where we can all kind of come together, give different ideas of, you know, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, like, like my background right now, like, uh, uh, monkey systems actually sent a link out on discord this week of a video that he found where somebody was describing how you can get these backgrounds actually in OBS ah, um, for while you're streaming. Right. And I noticed he was using one on his stream, but just things like that, you know, where we can help, you know, you're going to see everyone's schedules as the group kind of comes along so you can follow, um, Obviously, like there'll be, you know, if I'm streaming while somebody else is on and I get done, raid their channel. Yeah. Send send your viewers over to them, you know, just kind of a kind of a community thing more than more than anything. But it's definitely we're going to kind of watch it grow and see what we can do with it. I'm excited. And I see you guys are already like sharing rec poker skins and stuff like that to make it easier and different ways of uh, recording and uh, compressing stuff. That's really cool to, to see the group coming together like that. Yeah, shout out to uh, Chris Jones on that skin. I have yeah. got a lot of compliments on that skin. Yeah, yeah, Chris um, Jones, he's, he knows what he's doing, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that, that skin was awesome. I know a lot of people from Gareth's group that are kind of starting to get into streaming. They're like, oh, man, how'd you do that? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I got no idea, but <laughs> a guy made it for me. I'm sure yep. if you paid him, he might make you one, too. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, just tell them to join the free Rec Poker Learning Community, and uh, right. they, they can download it right from that group. I think we'll have it up in the Dreamers group available for everyone to use. Yep. I'm excited for that. All right. Well, uh, we're going to head off and record an episode of the forums edition in about a half an hour. So John and Tim, if you want to join, you can go get a bite to eat before we get back into the salt mines. Yeah. Back into the poker (laughs) strategy, salt mines, get the whip out. Um, but I guess, I uh, oh, I guess I'm going to mention our sponsors once because I did not hit that at the top of the show. So I want to thank uh, Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino. And I told them I'd do it twice every episode. So let's just make sure that we really thank the uh, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack and Casino and Website Amp. And now everyone's covered and that sounds really good. So thanks to them. Thanks to Martha. Thanks for Tim and John. And of course, Chase Bianchi and uh, Steve Friedland, who couldn't be here tonight. But uh, uh, and of course, the listeners. You guys are the best. Talk to you soon.